Welcome to Purple Politics, a political discussion in the woodlands between the red and the blue. This show is brought to you by Woodlands Online. My name is Amy Hamrick-Lewis. I'm the blue. I'm the chair-elect of the Montgomery County Democratic Party. My name is Brian Christ, and I am the chairman-elect of the Montgomery County Republican Party, and we welcome you to the show today. So, so Amy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this off with you. I'll let you just kind of you know, tell, tell the audience about yourself, uh, you know, what you do and, and uh, what you're looking forward to doing. Sure. Um, so I've been here in uh, Montgomery County for about 12 years now. I grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is slad tight more blue <laughs> than it is here. Um, and being so close to D.C. politics was always, you know, kind of pervasive through um, your life. So politics was always a hobby. Um, I used to, I tell this story, I hope my parents aren't watching now, um, skip school and go down to Congress. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, very pre-9-11, you could go into senators and representatives' offices and talk to them if they were there uh, very easily and go into um, sit in the chambers, uh, the Senate and the House. So I used to do that and make a, a nuisance of myself. Um, and then growing up, I uh, my career was as a veterinary technician. Um, but politics was always a passion of mine, so I uh, always volunteered, um, especially on kind of the uh, local and state, I mean, excuse me, national and state level. So uh, presidential races, senatorial races, things like that. Um, moved to Texas, to a red county. There wasn't so much going on that uh, I could do. And then I got married and had kids, uh, stayed home with them. And right about the time we were, my husband and I were having to decide, do I go back to work when they start school? Do I continue to stay home? President Trump gets elected. So we decided that my job, unpaid as it is, would be to be a political activist full time. Okay. So that is what I do. I um, am the current treasurer for the party um, and will be, of course, transitioning into chair. I am the secretary for the Democratic Club of the Woodlands. Um, and I've been involved in other grassroots organizations um, since 2016, and I've spent a lot of time organizing um, Democrats in Montgomery County. So that's excellent. My excellent. Passion. Yeah. Okay. Pretty cool. Um, uh, what do you do? So is full time is politics is yep. full time politics. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Yeah. And uh, I know we were talking earlier. Your <laughs> husband. Uh, Yep, he's an emergency veterinarian. Uh -huh. um, he is the medical director for the Animal Emergency Clinic in Humble, um, off 1960. So he has uh, he works long hours, but not as many shifts. So he's home a lot, uh, which is good because uh, I can leave the kids with him if it's a event that I can't take them to. But they've also they are well known <laughs> in the Democratic community around Montgomery County. They've come to marches, they've come to meetings. I think the only thing they haven't done is come to commissioner's court okay. because they're a little bit too wild. Okay, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Um, but yeah, it's definitely um, a family uh, passion. Um, okay, is very politics. Good. So very good. How about you? Um, well, let's see. Um, well, let me just, you know, for the sake of uh, getting to know the audience, let's just share my, my background. So uh, career-wise, uh, been involved in technology for a very long time. Um, I don't want to get too terribly nerdy. I think there's a different <laughs> podcast for that. But uh, I got my first computer when I was about eight or nine years old. I had gone over to a friend's house and he had this thing and you could type on it. And magically stuff would happen on the screen. And I thought that was just the, the neatest thing. So um, I've been doing this in 
technology ever since. Uh, really started my career when compact computer was was a thing, right? They've been gobbled <laughs> up since then, uh, and now I'm uh, I'm running my own consulting firm, right? Okay. So doing doing some contract work uh, and hoping to expand that business. Um, uh, my education has nothing to do with my my career choice, uh, so I uh, went to the College of Biblical Studies, which is down in Houston, to uh, to get my degree in biblical counseling. I have a passion for the ministry. Um, at one point in time, I was was able to serve in a youth minister, minister role, and that was uh, it was really near and dear to my heart, um, and uh, and really enjoyed that. Um, and then uh, I guess. My adventure into politics started uh, with uh, Ron Paul. His mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was his first or second bid for president uh, presidential uh, in the presidential race. Um, but what I found was getting plugged in at a presidential level at a campaign level that where you could really make a difference. Right, was super difficult. Yeah. Right, like you're just you're this tiny person in the sea of other uh, other folks, and so. We took another stab at that level of campaign activity when uh, Rick Perry, I think, maybe the year or the cycle later, he um, he decided to run for president. Uh, again, it was the exact same experience. It was so hard to get plugged into such a large campaign. And, and about that time, we we had moved from uh, like the Harris County we were living in Tomball. We moved to Magnolia, and uh, we dipped our toe in local politics, mm-hmm. and uh, we found that. Uh, it was much easier to get plugged in. It was much easier to get to know the, the candidates, the elected officials. Um, and so for me, that was always kind of just a passion thing, right? Like I'm doing this because I was interested in doing it. Uh, for my wife, that kind of grew legs. She liked doing it. She had sort of a, an event planning uh, background. She was already doing that kind of stuff professionally. And so for her, it became a business, right? And so she's a, she's a campaign manager today. And so... Uh, it's put me in a really interesting position because I am committed to, um, in my role as chairman of the Republican Party, I am um, committed to being neutral. Right. Right. Like I don't want to give the appearance that I'm supporting one candidate over another, and and like you, we had a pretty, pretty sizable primary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, doing the work as parties, I'm sh- sure you are, and uh, um, you know m- maybe you could you know tell 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 us the audience uh, you know what kinds of things you're looking forward to doing when you you know when August third comes around, right? right? Um, yeah. So one of my major passions is voter education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think that Texas has, and especially Montgomery County, has a more confusing system than a lot of states. And I've lived in six states, I believe now, and voted in all of them. Um, and I find that Texas has the most elections and uh, different places to vote depending on the election and depending on where you live. It's not uniform uh, here in Montgomery County. And um, so I have spent a lot of time in the past few years creating seminars and workshops and teaching the voters what the positions are, how you vote for them, how you run for them, what the work is. Um, and that's something that I want to continue because a lot of people don't vote because they don't know mm-hmm. there's an election. Um, even, you know, I, would, I was campaigning, I've campaigned for several Woodlands Township candidates and you knock on doors. Oh, yes, I always vote. I always vote. Well, it's an odd year. It's 
2019, 2017. Did you know you have an election in November? No, there's not an election in November. Yeah. Township actually has odd year elections. Not everybody does. So, you know, even the people who think that they are plugged in because they are plugged in on partisan politics and mm -hmm. they're used to presidential elections, they're used to midterms, you hear you throw in a nonpartisan election on an off year. Yeah. And there's not, there's certainly not the media coverage. So if you aren't, uh, you know, completely on the ball, it's very, very easy to miss that. And our day-to-day -day lives, you know, they're mostly formed by our local mm -hmm. officials. Mm -hmm. our, and that, I think that escapes a lot of people. It didn't, for me, when I was in my 20s and 30s, when I didn't own a home, when I didn't mm -hmm. have kids, I thought, oh, well, that's that's for property taxpayers. Mm -hmm. Those are the only ones that need to worry about. Right, yeah. At the local level. But it's, you know, so much uh, more than just that. And so that's what I want to get um, people engaged in. Um, get more people running. I, I think, I feel like in Montgomery County, you see the same names over and over and over and not necessarily that they're doing a bad job in some of these like mud elections and, you know, water boards mm -hmm. and things like that. But, you know, we're a large county, hundreds of thousands of people. There shouldn't be three dozen people doing everything all the time. And so um, I want to get more people engaged. I want to get more people running for office that have a passion for the work and get qualified. Elected. Yeah, you actually brought up something that's really interesting. It was something that uh, that I made a point of when I when I was running um, my race, which is the local elections. Uh, it's it's very unfortunate that people don't get plugged into them because at the end of the day, that tax statement you get mm -hmm. for your property taxes, those are the folks that are ultimately in control. It's who you put into positions like your school board, right. your um, commissioner court, like. Those are the races that if you're really concerned at the end of the, you get that, that bill in at the end and you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> right? Like you get a little heartburn. Um, it, the, unfortunately, it, you, you saw this, you see this too, that those races, you know, the, the, the place to get plugged in is the primary, right? Right. And sadly, the turnout for those is just absolutely abysmal. And, and like you were saying earlier, you know, the people that do turn out, we need to do something about informing them about the nature of what they're doing because we were joking about this before before we started recording. But you know, people showed up at the polls and, and they said, "Oh, I, I'm voting straight ticket today." Well, you're like, "Okay, there's two problems with that. <laughs> One, this is a primary, and so you're picking amongst your party, right? If you're a Republican, you're and you're registered, you're going to to, to, to determine who that Republican is in the exactly. general, right? Like, so that was the first thing that was wrong, and the second thing was that was wrong is uh, some voters simply don't know that there's no longer a straight ticket option, right? And so you 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 like you just kind of, that person just <laughs> sail right past you, as, you know, at the polling location, and you want to go. But wait a minute, right? Um, and so there is this there's this disconnect between what the voter thinks they know about the process and and the reality of it. And uh, so uh, you, you you hit the nail on the head. These we really need to get more folks involved in the local elections because at the end of the day, in terms of your day-to-day -day life, they have an enormous amount of influence on, on how that you're affected. And they see the numbers too, right? They know how many mm -hmm. people are voting and they know that if there's a very low turnout, they're not held accountable by anybody, whether it's people of their own party or people of the opposite party, right? The only way we have accountable elected officials is when we are the ones that put them there. Mm -hmm. And when Five, ten, fifteen percent of the voting of the voters are electing somebody. What incentive does that give that elected official? Mm, that's a good point. To have everybody's 
best interest of time. And, and the other thing that I would bring up along those lines is, look, if you're griping about things, but you're not out there getting plugged that in. That too. Uh, it's hard. Anyway, of course I'm sympathetic, but it's harder to be <laughs> sympathetic, right? When you're complaining about X, Y, Z, and well, you didn't show up to pick the person that right. was ultimately in control of that. Um, I think one of the other interesting things about uh, at least the way voter registration, you brought that up, and, and I think that what we've agreed to is that we're going to periodically sprinkle conversation in as we, as we do this series about, about voter registration. But I think one of the really interesting things that most people don't understand about uh, voter registration is um, how you fall off. Right. Like naturally. So do you want to maybe, you want, I don't want to hog the time here, but you want to unpack that and share with folks how that works? Yes. So, so every two years, um, if, you, if you have not voted, it's not automatic. Right? They send you a card. And if there's anything wrong in the mail, if the card gets returned for any reason, then you're put on suspense. Mm -hmm. And you have to refill out a voter registration card to get back on. Um, and I have had people, I mean, I don't know how it is in Magnolia, Sometimes in the woodlands, the mail service is not the best. <laughs> so I have had people tell me that they've lived there for 10, 20 years. And for whatever reason, their voter registration card was sent back as not deliverable. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they go to the polls and they're on suspense or they've worse been purged by that point because once they get a bad address, they don't continue to send you mm -hmm. um, mail. So um, it's, it can be a shock. Yeah, and I think the other interesting thing that a lot of folks don't know is is when you when you make that decision in the in the first primary, mm -hmm. right? That actually determines your party affiliation, right? right? That's right. another idiosyncrasy right. of, of what we do. So uh, uh, some other states have a very formal, like I'm going to register, you know, by filling out a form as a Republican, right. or I'm going to register as a Democrat, and and ours is uh, it's kind of an implied. Uh, registration process. You you vote in your first primary, and who, what party you vote in determines you know your right. affiliation. So. For for two years, yeah, right? for two years. So you know, this year we have we both have primary runoffs, mm -hmm. and so if you voted in the Republican primary in March, you can only vote in the Republican primary runoff, mm -hmm. and vice versa for the Democrats. But if right. you did not vote in the primary, you can walk in and vote for either party in mm -hmm. the runoff. Um, and so some people don't realize that either. Um, they can. You know, they decide they have to pick between Royce West and MJ Hager to run against Senator Cornyn, then, and they miss the first chance. Now they get to go in. And hey, just to make things even more simple, right? Like, <laughs> then, you know, when it comes to the general election, you can pick whoever you want, exactly. right? Like, so if, you know, if it, if it sounds complicated, well, it it, it is a little bit, and you got to kind of spell it out and, 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 and unpack it because there's some confusion around that. So um, we, we do, I think we're committed, both of us, to, to, to explaining that to, to the folks um, as we go throughout this the show uh, on that. I mean, obviously, I would love for everybody to vote for the Democrats, <laughs> but first and foremost, we are a form of democracy, republic, and, I mean, it only works if the majority of the people vote. Um, yeah. So, you know, even if you're not voting for the person that I want you to vote for or the people, it's important that you get out there and yeah. and use that, that yeah. right that you have. Um, I don't know if we want to keep going on this, but uh, what I think there was something interesting that you just brought up is uh, just recently I, we were having conversations of, amongst ourselves, but, um, you know, we're not a democracy. We're not a pure Republican. It's almost a, 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 almost a pure Republican. It's a bit of a unicorn. We're, we're a representative democracy, right. which means um, that 
we vote in the the people that we want to represent us, and they're sort of backstopped by a constitution, which means they're limited in what they can do, right? Uh, but we vote these people in, and the idea is that they will execute our goals and wishes when it comes to legislative objectives, right? So anything you want to add about that? I think there's a lot of people don't know that, right? right. You know, they'll, they'll hear, oh, we're a dem democracy. Oh, well, we're a Republican. The reality is it's, it's somewhere in the middle, it's right? A match. Yeah, we made our own thing, right? We, yeah. we blazed a trail, and, you know, for better or for worse, um, you know, down the line. And I think I think it goes back to what I was saying about holding our elected officials accountable. Mm -hmm. um, not to pick on Kevin Brady, but he's been in office for a very long time. He has a lot of money. He has a lot of wealthy donors. Most of those people are not the people voting for him. Who does he listen to more? Um, and so he knows that turnout is very low in his district. So does he have incentive to listen to even the Republican voters who don't 100% agree with him? Um, he doesn't seem to. Um, so, you know, they, they listen when they know that their job is at risk, right? And so to, for their jobs to truly be at risk, we have to have much higher turnout across well, the board. You brought up Kevin Brady. I'll just throw <laughs> this in real quick. I, you know, I actually, uh, for me, Kevin Brady has been uh, someone that I felt like, you know, I could talk to and, mm -hmm. and he would, and I, so I think he listens to his Republican base and, uh, and so I, I tend to think that, that Congressman Brady is doing a good job, and that's coming from the Republican perspective, obviously. Um, but I do see your point. I do think that there are some politicians that sort of take their position for granted, and, uh, and there's, there's not a lot of accountability. Um, and, and, and this is the argument for term limits, right? Exactly. Like, you know, in the Republican Party, maybe you can unpack this for the Democrat Party, but in the Republican Party, um, there's really kind of two camps of thought, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to term limits, we have some in our party that are just they're adamant. We need term limits in, in certain areas where we don't today. Um, and then there's another group that says, well, we already have it, right? And that is uh, you, the voter, right? You're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're dissatisfied um, with your elected official, then you go out to the poll and you reprimand them by replacing them, right? So... I don't know. Is that is that is yeah. that you'll have that struggle in your party Absolutely. too? Absolutely, and for the exact same reasons. Um, and I think where a lot of us have come down um, in the Democratic Party, and I'm not quoting the platform right now because <laughs> I haven't finished reading through the one that we just uh, voted on. But um, it's I think that a more effective answer is not term limits, or maybe not just term limits, but finance reform in elections. Um, going back to Kevin Brady, and again, not to pick on him because he is certainly not unique in the situation. He has millions upon millions of dollars in his election war chest. Mm -hmm. Most politicians who have been in office more than a few terms do. Mm -hmm. How in the world does anybody come in and fight that? You know, how do you run an election against somebody with $20 million when you can only raise fifty dollars to $100,000? And, you know, he's not had any significant, um, I mean, he's had Republican, uh, competitors in the primary, but none of them have, have gotten very close that I know of, um, especially in recent years. And so is it really fair to say your vote is your term limit because you can vote them out of office when it's so hard to get an establishment? And Democrats, too. I am not picking on Kevin Brady for this. Mm -hmm. Democrats do it, too. Um, and, you know, they will tell you that the majority of, um, not the majority, but a significant chunk of time is spent you know, going after high-dollar donors to stay in office. Mm -hmm. Is that what we want our elected officials at that level? I don't think that 
Marquia was spending too much time calling for million dollar donors. Um, but is that how we want them spending their time? Is that where we want their focus to be just on staying in office? They should be doing work for us, right? Um, and so I think that financial reform in elections evens the playing field. And then it truly is our vote, you know, can get somebody out of office more effectively than term limits. Well, so I'm going to. I want to make the opposite argument. I'm not going to tip my hand as to whether I agree with you or not, but I certainly want to make the opposite argument. Um, so one of the things I look at when I when I because I have thought about you know how difficult it is. Um, so let's talk about Kevin Brady for just a minute. You know, uh, Steve Toth, uh four years ago mm-hmm. he made a pretty sizable run against Kevin Brady. You know, came within percentage points, and I think he did it uh, with a, a a fraction of the dollar. Oh, yes. So it's it's possible. Um, we did have um, it was it was quite a while back, but it was uh, it was the Ted Cruz versus uh, I think Dewhurst, David Dewhurst at the time was running for I think he was the uh, he was like earmarked to be the guy right I think he was I hope I'm remembering this right but he was the Speaker of the House in mm-hmm. Texas right and he was sort of like dubbed you know the the successor to you know and he had orders of magnitude more dollars than Ted Cruz did, mm-hmm. but, but you That's saw, right, yeah. right the, the base uprising said, you know what, we don't want this guy, and they rallied around Ted Cruz, and, and so I, I don't think that, while I do think dollars matter, I, I mean, no doubt, right, like you can, there's certain things that dollars allow you to do in a campaign that if you don't have them, you're just, you're just out of luck on, right, um, but I do think that there's still enough uh, power vested in the people that, um, if they are truly passionate, if they truly care, and this kind of goes back to to what we brought up earlier, which is like, ah, you're complaining about your taxes go up. Well, you're not showing up to vote, right? right. So you got to at least acknowledge the onus for, you know, falls on the people to show up and vote. Um, so again, I don't know how to tip my hand about how I feel about it. I, I generally am a very, you know, like, you know, let things be kind of, you know, liberty minded. And if you amass a bunch of money, well, you know, you're right to do that. Um, but I do do admit that you know having a sizable war chest is a, is is an advantage in the campaign. It mm-hmm. absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah, and it certainly worked in his favor. Hopefully, we'll turn that yeah. tide. But, yeah. Yeah. And I I will say I I know that Steve Toth has said that you know if he only had enough money to do TV commercials, then maybe that would have. And you know it's just that you know. There's so much you can do with that money, so much exposure that, mm-hmm. especially in an area like Montgomery County, because we don't have, we're on the outskirts of Houston. The Chronicle goes back and forth on how much it wants to cover local politics. It's hard for somebody mm-hmm. coming into the scene to get traction in the press. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the incumbent, whoever that is, gets free press just for doing their job. So it's hard to make um, inroads yeah. in that. Um, and so I do wish that there was um, a little bit more autonomy in the press out here. Um, And, of course, it's the time that we're living in, right? The newspapers are having a hard time. They are. um, You know, staying in business and making money. So, of course, it's, you know, it's easier to have one large paper in Houston and have the small Mm -hmm. entities out here. But it does impact the type of news that we get. And some people don't realize how much... It's out of their, you know, out of our control here, what they're seeing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, those are certainly fair points. Um, anything on, else on your mind you want to <laughs> share? I feel like uh, maybe, uh, you know, this being our first show, we, we could, uh, you know, 
kind of wrap things up and, and give the time back to our audience. And, uh, and just so that uh, folks that are listening in know, we're, we're going to try to do this on a regular basis. Uh, this being the first, we didn't really have a set agenda. Uh, but I think next time, uh, Amy and I will, will, will get together a little bit ahead of time and we'll maybe cherry pick a few topics that uh, uh, I'm not I'm not on the bleeding edge on every like I, said, I was telling you before we recorded this that I don't hang on every tweet. I don't, you know, wait for the latest, you know, article about X, Y, Z to come out. So. Right, so I have um, a little edge there. <laughs> you might have a little edge, you know. I'm, and unfortunately, I'm usually buried in some technology during the you know the better part of the day. So, uh, but I think that would be an uh, an excellent way to for us to proceed forward is just kind of cherry pick maybe three or four topics, and, and then we can talk about them uh, as the shows come up. Yeah, I think we're going to do a, a healthy mix of local and national and state, um, and so it's not all one or the other. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Sounds good. Uh, well, with that, uh, we'd like to uh, to uh, wish our listeners uh, thank or say thank you for <laughs> chiming in today, and uh, we look forward to doing this again. Yeah, and you can watch this uh, broadcast on Woodlands Online or listen to it in podcast form on the Woodlands Podcast page, and as well as iTunes, Heart Radio, iHeartRadio, sorry, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. So, thank you all for joining us. Thank you, everybody.